Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Not a dead man, not a ghost, a living king. No doubt about it, no doubt about it, this David O'Malley character, he is searching. searching. He, he's a, a writer of a website. If you've not been here for the exclusive, if today might be your first week, I'll catch up. He's writing for a website that focuses on the unexplained, things people question, and he's been given an assignment. Write an article as if you had an exclusive interview with God. Now pick five questions and then answer those questions. Well, he met a friend at the coffee shop. He met his friend Michael. And Michael has been gently guiding David through his questions, the things maybe that he should pursue in his article. So his first question, why did God come to the earth? Why did he send Jesus? His second question, why was Jesus rejected? His third, if God came as a man, he did all kinds of great miracles, and even though he was rejected, why didn't they understand? Why weren't the the leaders of the Jewish faith who were expecting him, why didn't they get it? So those questions have been answered. And today now, Michael's moving David along. And Jesus is real. He's alive. And he has a place. He's a king. Why was he made a king? Why uh, was there this coronation? There came a point in the history of Jesus as he walked this earth that he was hailed as a king. What was that all about? Why? A reading in John chapter 12 gives us some insight into that. If you've been reading along with us, you should have read John 12 on Monday. And if you are visiting, just check out your bulletin. We have a reading plan. We're reading through the entire Bible together. We began in January. We're almost through the first five books of the Old Testament We'll finish Deuteronomy next week. We've hit a couple of the Gospels. We've read a good deal of the letters of the New Testament and some of the Psalms. And we want you to join us. Jump in. And if you feel like you can't catch up, just start where we're at. You can rotate around at the uh, end of the year and finish the entire Bible. It's really been uh, wonderful wonderful in terms of uniting us. I'm still getting a bunch of questions, uh, but that's okay. I'm happy to answer them. When we read John 12 this week, it gave us some insight into this idea, the coronation of Jesus. But what fueled it? I want to touch on John chapter 12, but it was John 11 that really was some of the motivation, the impetus behind uh, this event. And in John 11, there's an account of a man that Jesus raised from the dead. So I want to give you this background before we get into John 12. 
John 11 is nearly entirely devoted to the raising of this dead man whose name was Lazarus. He had some sickness. He died. Jesus brought him back to life. His body had been wrapped in burial clothes. Uh, He'd been entombed. He'd been dead for days when Jesus arrived on the scene. It was in the city of Bethany where uh, Lazarus was buried. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, he met Lazarus's sisters. He made his way to the tomb. And he said, remove the stone. Remove the stone. John eleven thirty nine. Lazarus's sister protested. No, Jesus, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. This was Martha. Jesus said, take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, by this time, there is a, a bad odor. He's been dead for four days. If you read the King James Version, it's completely unvarnished. It says it like this. Lord, by this time, he stinketh, for he's been dead four days. She did not want that stone removed. And this was her brother who had been dead, not just for a couple of minutes, a couple of hours, for days. And she knew what naturally occurs. But Jesus said, take away the stone. And then Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And what happened? The dead man rose up and he walked out of the tomb dressed in his, dressed in his grave clothes. Jesus said, take his clothes off. Take those things off. Let them go. His hands, his feet were wrapped in his linen. His face was covered. And then what happened? I want to give you one verse from John chapter 11 about what happened because of this. This is John eleven forty-five. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. I'm going to read that again. Think about this. The guy's been dead for four days. His sister's saying, no, don't, don't open up the tomb. It stinks. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. It's kind of an understatement, don't you think? I read that and I say, I want some more details. You know, John, why couldn't you have given us some more details about this? Can you imagine, just take a minute and imagine the buzz that this miracle caused. Picture for a minute how one person might tell another, I was at the funeral. I saw Lazarus. I saw him entombed. I was there when they rolled the stone in front. Then this Jesus came along. Jesus came along and he said, get rid of that stone. And then he cried out, Lazarus, come out. You should have seen it. You should have been there. Lazarus walked out of the tomb. He was dead for four days. He walked out alive. I got to believe in this Jesus. You should too. 
The dead man was walking. Really, John, you only gave us? Well, many came and believed in him. I want to know about the, about the furor that happened after this miracle. You can go see it. Go, go to the house. But there's pandemonium at Lazarus's house. His sisters are throwing a big party. There's a huge crowd. I don't even know if you're going to be able to get in and see him. It's utter pandemonium. I want those details. Because I imagine if you or I had witnessed this, we wouldn't just be sitting around saying, oh, yeah, now we believe in him. No. This, this moved people. It's not hard to imagine the stir that this miracle would have caused. And then Bethany was just two miles, less than two miles from Jerusalem. It's no wonder that very quickly the word about this miracle spread to Jerusalem. How easy would it be? People start talking. They're, they're going by Bethany on their way to Jerusalem. The word is there. And what happened? You read more in John 11. The Jewish ruling council heard about it. All these leaders of the Jewish religion heard about it. They called a meeting of their council, the Sanhedrin. They feared the people would turn to Jesus and raise him up as their leader. And they thought, this isn't going to go well. The Roman, uh, our Roman occupiers are going to be upset. They are going to come in and they're going to take our temple. They're going to take our nation. They're going to have to put down all of this, uh, all of this raising up of a new leader they were afraid. They thought they were going to lose their place. So from that day on, John eleven fifty three, from that day on, they plotted to take his life. This was their conclusion. Eliminate Jesus. He's a problem. Look what he's doing. Everyone's going to go after him. Guy's, guy's been dead for four days and he's walking around. Well, Jesus heard about this and Jesus left Bethany and he went off to a, a country village called Ephraim. And when the feast of, of Passover was approaching, Jesus decided to make his way to Jerusalem. So some time had passed, but he's going to go to Jerusalem now. And on his way, he stopped back in Bethany. It's a stopping point. It's close, just on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And he went to Lazarus's house. He had dinner with Martha and Mary, Lazarus's sisters. And what do you think happened? Well, it caused a stir again. Hey, the miracle man's back in town. The guy who takes people who are rotting in the grave and he brings them back to life. And by the way, that Lazarus is walking around. He's testifying to it. It happened. We got to go see this. We got to go check it out. We got to go meet this guy. A large crowd came to the house. Large crowd is at the house of Lazarus. Jesus is having dinner there. Now let's pick up the account in John chapter 12. Just a few verses. I'm going to read to you John 12, uh, fifth, uh, John 12, 12 to 15. 
The next day, so this is the day after the dinner party at Lazarus's house with uh, Martha and Mary. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. This is often called the triumphal entry. Jesus coming into Jerusalem triumphant. All four gospels cover this account of Jesus' life and ministry. We heard from the gospel of Matthew earlier that gave a few more details. But Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. He's riding on a donkey. What does that mean? Is there any significance to that? If any at all, does it mean anything or is it just some minor detail that the gospel writers decided to include? It does have some meaning. To many in the crowd that were good Jews, these were good Jews that were coming to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover, They were there to observe one of the special days of the Jewish religion. These are good Jews that would know uh, the Old Testament. Seeing someone coming into the city on a donkey that has some significance, it's a sign of royalty. Why is it a sign of royalty? In 1 Kings chapter 1, King David commanded the prophet Nathan, go get my mule. Go get my mule and get my son. Get my son Solomon. And have Solomon mount my own mule and take him down to Gion and anoint him king over Israel. Blow the trumpet and say, long live King Solomon. Then you are to go up with him. And he is to come and sit on my throne and reign in my place. The new king, King Solomon, was going to ride the mule And he was going to come to Jerusalem, to the palace, to King David's throne room. And he was going to take the throne. He was coming as the new king. And he was coming peacefully. King Solomon took the throne peacefully. A king coming in peace rode on the back of a mule or a donkey. This was a sign of royalty and it was a sign of a king coming in peace. He wasn't coming on the back of a horse. The horse signified war. If you read Deuteronomy 17 last week, you read that the king must not acquire great numbers of horses or make the people go back to Egypt to get horses. That was... Egypt's strength, the horses and the chariots. Remember the horses and the chariots that were wiped out crossing the Red Sea. The horse was the sign of war. So a king coming in on a horse, that was the conquering king. He would come on the horse, the charger. I remember as a kid at my elementary school, that was our mascot, The chargers. We were the chargers. I know the army has the mule, but I don't know. Uh, 
I think, I think Kyle Wanamaker made a good decision. He's going to the Air Force. It's the Falcons, right? I don't know. You know, I, I know. The, I don't want to, I'm not uh, picking on any of you that were in the Army. The mule was, it's a, it's a, there is a significance to their mascot. It's hardworking, and they used it from day one, so there was reasons for it. But when you're a kid, and your mascot is the charger, Right, And you see the emblem. The emblem was this warrior with his lance and his shield, and he's on the back of this big steed that's you know, charging off into battle. Why? Because we're going to win. We're going to be winners. Our team's going to win. Go Chargers. Yeah. And I know there's all, if you've been you know, a March Madness person, right? there's all kinds of crazy college mascots. But it always felt good to have one that was big and strong and there was a reason uh, that you could get behind it so easily. But Jesus didn't come on a charger, did he? No, he came on the back of a, a donkey. He was a king of peace. He was coming into Jerusalem, the city of peace, ironically named, the city of peace, Salem, It's the end of Jerusalem, and that's from Jewish shalom, which is akin to shalom. It's a related word for peace. This was the city of peace. Jesus was entering as king of peace, and this large crowd formed first at the house where he had had dinner. Large crowd was there at Lazarus' house, Now, Jesus was making his way into Jerusalem. And as he was making his way, what did we read in John 12? Another crowd came out to greet him. Of course, word spread to Jerusalem. It was so close to Bethany. The miracle worker was back in town. So John 12, 12 says, A great crowd had come for the festival and heard that Jesus was on his way to the city and they went out to greet him, waving palm branches. Now, picture for a minute two huge crowds that are about to converge. One coming from the city, going out. One coming from the small little suburb, coming in. Why was he hailed? As king. Why this coronation? These two crowds coming together. Something happens. Something happens. Picture the convergence. Picture the, this, this coming together of these two enormous groups. Something spontaneous happened. Have you ever been in a crowd where something spontaneous happens? Sometimes it's just one person. And then the whole crowd gets involved. How did the wave start? Well, it was the early 80s. Some say it was a Yankees game. Another, it was a University of Washington game. They all argue about it. But there was a person in this huge crowd of people that got this thing going. And then the whole crowd gets involved, right? Do you remember seeing that for the first time on TV, a huge stadium of people, and this wave is going through it, people standing up. How does something like that happen? 
this spontaneous response. One person starts it off. You remember uh, after 9-11, 2001, the, some of the crowds that gathered, and suddenly they would spontaneously begin to sing, God bless America. One person would be the spark that would ignite this thing. And if you watched it, you were, you were moved in your heart. If you saw it on TV, you probably joined in and started singing, God bless America. These crowds that had this spontaneous uh, response to something. There was something that motivated them. What was motivating these two crowds that converged together as Jesus was making his way toward Jerusalem? What well, was a miracle? A miracle. A man had walked out of a tomb. Lazarus lives. This is what was driving both of these crowds. And as the crowds came together, there, there was a conclusion that arrived in the mind of of at least one that just spread like fire to the others. The long-awaited, long-prophesied Messiah, Savior, a king that would take the throne of David. This is what these crowds concluded as Jesus approached the city of Jerusalem, the city which King David had conquered and set as the capital of the nation. Imagine the spark that set it off. I can picture that first cry, the first person, Hosanna! Somebody else picks up on it. They know what that means. They know it means, save us, we pray. That's from Psalm 118. It's two Hebrew words that when they come together, they say, Hosanna, save us, we pray. Somebody yelled it out. And then someone else joins in, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then others begin, and some are waving the palm branches. Or we heard in Matthew's gospel, some take off their garments and they're spreading them on the road. It's like the wave, or it's like singing, God bless America, something happened, and it just was a fire that ignited in this crowd, and suddenly it caught And they're all shouting Hosanna. The crowd began to roar as multitudes joined in and they hailed him as king and they received him as king. And John, the writer of the gospel, explains he was hailed as king because he was a king and he is a king. John quoted the Old Testament prophet. Not that that quote went out amongst the crowd, but John's explaining it to us as he writes. He quotes from Zechariah 9.9. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Jesus was fulfilling prophecy as he entered the city. The people who joined in, hailing him as king, they were part of the fulfillment of this prophecy. See, your king comes riding on the foal of a donkey. The words they shouted, Psalm 118, Hosanna, and also, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Psalm 118, 25 and 26. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a Messiah, a Savior. And yet the people seemed to have their minds set on one thing. They had their hearts set on one thing. And that was 
what was going to happen in the natural? What was going to happen in the world? What was going to happen in their life? They had their hearts set on the power and the glory of this world, it seems, a Messiah who would save their skin. It seems this was what was also motivating this crowd. The fears of the Sanhedrin were coming to pass. The miracle of raising Lazarus had now taken on the people and it it had sparked something in them. And they're hailing this Jesus as king as he's coming into Jerusalem. And now more than ever, the leaders, they want to eliminate Jesus because they hear these shouts of, uh, King of the Jews, hail King of the Jews. He was coming in in peace, but there's no doubt they wanted to see Jesus dismount that donkey and mount up on a charger and conquer for them and take out these hated, oppressive Roman rulers that were over them. They wanted freedom and independence. They wanted to reestablish the throne of David to reconstitute a golden era of the nation of Israel. It seems that... uh, This coronation was all about setting up a king for this world. Not the reason that Jesus came. What was the real purpose? What was the real purpose for Jesus going up to Jerusalem? He was going as king of peace. He was entering as a king of peace in this world. But he was going to be a conquering king. Establishing a kingdom not of this world. Jesus did come as a conqueror. He did. He did come to give them freedom. He came to give all freedom. He came to deliver, to deliver from enemies that no man or woman could ever conquer. He came to give freedom that no one ever thought was possible. He came to conquer the prince of this world. He came to deliver from the shackles of Satan. He came to redeem from certain death and to make everyone heirs of eternal life. This is King Jesus coming into Jerusalem to set up the throne of his father, his heavenly father, that he would seat himself on that throne, God who came in the flesh. And he was going to establish a kingdom for all people and all nations and all languages. And he was going to reign over that kingdom forever and ever, eternally. This is Jesus coming into Jerusalem. If the people who went out to greet him knew what the days were going to bring, in just a few days, if they knew, they probably wouldn't have gone out at all. They had pinned their hopes on Jesus as conqueror, but he was going to be seized and mocked. He was going to be beaten and scourged. He was going to be bound. He wasn't going to be given an imperial headdress. No, a crown of thorns was going to be beaten into his head. His throne of glory, a cross of shame. And all the multitudes who were surrounding him and pressing in on him and shouting Hosanna, they were either going to scatter or they were going to join in the new cry, crucify him, crucify him. People didn't know 
what this coronation that they were doing was about to bring. But was Jesus in the dark? No. Jesus knew. Jesus knew. And yet, he didn't turn them away. He didn't tell them to stop. He didn't say, stop shouting, Hosanna. He did not rebuke them. He didn't silence them. He knew what they were doing. And he knew that this was a foreshadow of what was to come. He knew that John the Apostle, the one whose gospel we're reading, he knew that this John would one day have a vision and he would hear what sounded like a great multitude, like a, a roar of rushing water, like peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for the Lord God Almighty reigns. And that same John would see in that vision heaven open, and he would see the conqueror on a white horse, and he would see written on that rider's robe, King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus knew what was going to happen to accomplish this, to accomplish going from that donkey to the white horse. He knew what was coming, and he knew what needed to happen. He knew he was going into Jerusalem to die. He knew that his enemies are going to lay hands on him, and they were going to put him to a cruel and an undeserved death. He knew all the suffering and the shame that he was about to, he was going to, about to experience. And he knew all that was going to accompany his death. But he also knew it wasn't for naught. He knew what was going to be accomplished in his death. He knew that his death was going to bring a great victory. What was his death going to bring? It was going to bring a conquering. Jesus was going to be more than a conqueror. He knew that he was going to overcome death, and he was going to prove it in his resurrection. This, this blogger who is on a search, he's been told to surrender. You need to surrender. And he says, surrender to what? What? A ghost? Have a ghost? A dead guy rule my life? No. A living king. A king who came in peace and a king who conquered death for you. Every drop of blood that fell from Jesus' body on the cross was meant to redeem countless and countless souls who were captive in sin to bring them to eternal life. So this is why Jesus allowed this coronation. He allowed the people to come out and, and meet him and hail him with hosannas. And hail him as king and wave their palm branches and throw their, their cloaks in front of him because he truly was a king. And he truly is a king. And he is to be received as a king. He is to be received as a king by everyone who's seeking eternal life. It's the only way. He's to be received as he was welcomed into Jerusalem the king of kings who want us eternal life. Have you had your coronation for Jesus? Have you made him your king? Have you cried, Hosanna, save me, I pray, and made him king of your life?
Jesus proved he had power over death. He proved it when he raised up the stinking body of Lazarus. He's got power over death. But that was power in the natural life. You know, Lazarus, Lazarus enjoyed some more years. But eventually he went back to that grave. Eventually, that same body that was in the grave went back to the grave. You want to be raised to eternal life? That's why, we, that's why we have King Jesus who went to the cross, who went to the cross and died for us because it's more than just power over death in the natural. It's power over death in the supernatural. It's power over death for eternity. It's power over death so that Jesus could, could raise up every soul to eternal life. Have you made him your king today? Is he your king today? If he's not your king today, you should make him your king today. Realize he has power to win your soul to eternal life. I know many of you have made him king of your life. But as the natural crept in, these two fellows talked about a little poem, the uh, fabled city of El Dorado, the city of gold. How often are we chasing after the flesh? How often are we chasing after the things of this world? After we've said, Jesus, you're king of my life. And those distractions creep in. And we're tempted for more of this world. Those first people who shouted Hosanna, they were looking for this victory in the flesh. We have victory for eternal life. And if we start being tempted to get pulled back into that silver, gold, whatever, that takes us away from being focused on eternity, it's a distraction. You want more horses from Egypt? You want more power? Now you got the power in your risen king. It's all the power we need. We don't need silver. We don't need gold. We don't need horses. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. I invite you to stand as we bring our service to a close. And if you haven't made him king of your life, you have an opportunity to do so right now. And if you have, and yet that a little tug, a little pull, a little draw back to the world. You want to be on the charger? You need to lay that down. You can do that today. You can receive them today. You can draw closer to them today. I want to invite you to do that. We're going to take a minute and worship the Lord. And if you'd like, come to these altars with people who pray with you. They'll invite the presence of the King to help, to lift, to give his power to overcome these things that might be tugging us in the wrong direction. That might be tempting us to go the way of the flesh. You've never really ever said, Hosanna, save me, I pray. 
You got a great opportunity to do it today. And this invitation's for you too. You can stay at your seat, that's fine. But if you come forward, we'll pray with you. We just want to welcome you. We just want to say congratulations and welcome to the kingdom. Let's pray. Let's look forward to what God's going to do in the remainder of your life. You know why? Because your soul just got saved for eternity. Raised up. You know, like Lazarus was raised up, but even better for eternity. There's nothing to really think less of. So let's sing. And as, as you feel, come, come forward. We have plenty who will help you. They'll pray with you. Even if you just want to kneel before these altars and just offer up anything to the Lord, let's take a minute to do that. God will meet you here. You're in his house. Thank you for these who are stepping out in faith, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, we ask your blessing on all who've come here and are yielding at this altar. And God, if there's any in this room right now, any who don't know you, they haven't reached out to Jesus as king of their life. God, if there's any that's saying in their heart right now, save me, I pray. Save my soul for eternity. I need you, God. You're a, you, you know my soul and you know my f- shortcomings and my failings. I want to put them behind me and turn to you. God, if there's any in here that are, that are feeling that, that are praying that, meet them, Father God, in the name of Jesus. God, may King Jesus reign in their life. Lord, may King Jesus embrace them and welcome them. As he is received, he'll receive. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for that. Lord, we pray you would keep that soul. Lord, that you'd watch over it. Lord, for any in here that may have strayed and reached out for the temptations of the world, be it silver, gold, power, and whatever, Lord, if any have strayed from seeing Jesus as their total and true and 100% king, oh, Lord, I pray that you would just move upon that heart to forgive, Lord, to soothe, to salve, to welcome back. God, help people to lay down those things and bless them, bless them, bless them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you for our time together today. We love you and we worship you. We praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And bless now your people as they leave this sanctuary. Bless them and keep them. God, go before every single one as we take this week to meditate a little bit more on your resurrection. Come to celebrate your resurrection next Sunday. Lord, we just pray your grace to be upon everyone possible bring any and all who can make it Friday to celebrate what you did on the cross and winning us eternal life and then your resurrection oh thank you Jesus thank you Jesus bless all as they go keep us and bring us back we pray in your holy and precious name Jesus amen and if any of you want prayer or need prayer you can still come